Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement analysis profession one episode at a time. Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today we have our third anniversary episode. Three years of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder, three years of LEA Podcasts, and with me, I have most of the team with LEA Podcasts. I have Mindy Yoon. Hey, Mindy. She's on mute. (laughs) Limiting the feedback. And then I got Seth Potts. How are we doing, Seth? And not too bad. Not too bad at all. Seth does the small steps with Seth Potts or the the YouTube Excel tutorial. And then I also have Alexis Lopez, who is one of our researchers. How are we doing, Alexis? I'm doing great. Thank you. Are you still in California? How's California these days? It's Well, the weather's a bit bipolar, so it could be raining one day and then the other would be sunny. So, yeah, but it's great. I love it. All right. Very good. And then we also have Alexander Goulday, who just joined the team. He's going to be our ILEA correspondent. Alex, how are we doing? Doing great. Good evening, everybody. All right. So good to have everybody on. Appreciate your time. Just to do some housekeeping here, we're going to do a past, present, future aspects for LEA podcasts. Tell you, just get some reflection and talk about what's coming up. And then we're going to have a discussion on how we can improve the law enforcement analysis conferences. We'll just talk about things that we've seen and how any conference can improve, whether they're a regional conference or we're an international conference. We'll take your calls. We'll play Don't Be That Analyst. So get your calls in now. And then we'll finish up with with a major announcement. I'm going to oversell this major, major announcement at the end of this show. So just thinking back and that Mindy and I, I think it was about four years ago, we met and decided to try to put this podcast together. And of course, we didn't realize that the pandemic was going to coincide with us launching this podcast. But our first episodes were June 1st of 2020. And I, I really do appreciate the, the first people that were on our show because we were just recording them. They had no idea what our show was even about. They just trusted me enough that I wasn't going to make them look foolish. And, and so here we are. We got 150 plus episodes of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. We've published every Monday since June 1st, 2020. And the the channel itself has over 200 episodes, podcast episodes with the New Horizons podcast partnering with them. And then some of the special episodes that we've had over the years, whether it's conference elections or it's the hiring guy with Sean Bear. And so we're up to over 200 episodes on the website. So it's certainly been an interesting journey so far. Lots of stuff that I've learned. So Mindy, I've talked long enough now. I hope I've given you enough time to for you to add something better than what I just said. So what do you think about when you think back at the past three plus years on this adventure that we're on? 
I feel like every year I always say the same thing, like, oh, we're still doing this. <laughs> we're always like five episodes, you know? Mm -hmm. So no, I'm happy where we're at. I'm happy continuing on. And I'm just amazed and impressed at our, I guess, for lack of better words, work ethic. Because like Jason said, it's every Monday, no breaks. Doesn't matter if it's July 4th, doesn't matter if it's Christmas, doesn't matter if it's anything. <laughs> there will be an episode that will be published. So we're dependable. You can always depend on us. We're always there for you. <laughs> so no, it's been a great journey. Like you said, I feel like all the people I wouldn't have met without the podcast. So it's been very educational and it's, it's been really nice meeting people, especially like with people coming up to me at conferences or any meetings. They're like, Oh, you're Mindy from the podcast. Right. And I'm like, yes, can I help you? Oh, like I'm not prepared for this conversation, you know, So, but it's been great because other than that, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, why would anybody else ever approach me? I'm just, you know, another analyst in the sea of analysts, but the podcast, I feel like brought me closer to a lot of people, brought other people closer to one another. So it's been a great project. I'm really happy to have gone on this journey with all of you. So, yeah. and there was one conference where I forget there was some kind of scavenger hunt and I think and they said they had to take a picture with I don't know if it was it wasn't somebody famous but it you I don't know they said something about you had to take your picture with a well-known analyst or something like that I can't remember what it is but they picked you and I we were not comfortable on our own skin which is which is normal for you and I but we did it not thinking that we're necessarily celebrities or they didn't go as far as asking us for autographs but we felt like they were putting us a little bit on that pedestal and it was it was definitely something that neither of us were very comfortable with some of the stuff that i've learned over the last three years is some of the new topics that are coming up we talk a lot about social media investigations on the podcast we talk a lot about the dark web mental health in law enforcement for analysts is something that's come up more than I would have thought, especially within the last year. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, I think artificial intelligence is is one of those things that's going to be coming our way too. I think next year at every conference, you're going to have some kind of AI at every conference because studying some of these conference, these agendas for these law enforcement analysis conferences, a lot of it's the same thing, right? Sometimes it's really hard to tell like a motorcycle gang conference versus a regional association conference versus an international conference. And because a lot of it, if you look at the agenda, a lot of the topics are the same. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but you just get the same feel, you get the same types of courses coming through. And I, I think artificial intelligence is something that is, is definitely coming. It's impacting everybody in our society. So it's not, it's not just going to be law enforcement analysis, but that's definitely something that's going to be on the horizon. I'm going to have an AI write my next presentation, see if people notice. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I think you're supposed to say that the AI wrote this or whatever it is. And so I don't know. It's it's going to be fascinating, and it's certainly looking forward to having guests on talking about this stuff. So, if you are doing AI and you want to be on the show, there's your there's my little bed. Contact us at leapodcast at gmail dot com. All right, let's move on to Seth. Then Seth, as I mentioned in in the intro, he 
is the host of Small Steps with Seth Potts. He produces five-minute tutorial videos on Excel, and he is every Tuesday. And so, Seth, I guess we've done a little, we did a little bit of a wrap-up episode earlier this year for last year, but what's going on in, with the channel, what you've learned over the years, and what's coming up next? Well, I mean, I guess first, like I said, it is hard to get used to doing a show. I tell you, the weirdest thing about all this for me is that I've never been the academia person. I just haven't. I, I've had zero interest in going back to school to get a master's. Some of these, you know, whatever accreditation, this or that, I just don't have. It's just not my thing, right? So, but I've kind of jumped into this role because I did find a bit of, I don't know, a niche area of, I, I, I'm that weird extrovert. So it started like with a conference and wanting to get some funding to go. And I, you know, put in to present something, got selected. So I got that paid for. And I just, I don't know, don't have much of a, say a filter, but I'm missing, I'm kind of missing those genes where I feel embarrassed, like the embarrassment genes. I just don't <laughs> have it. Right. So it's kind of fit in well for doing stuff like this. I still hate the sound of my voice. Yeah. I, you know, I always heard the phrase, you got a, got a face for radio. Well, I got a face <laughs> for radio. I got a voice for silent film. So it's weird. It's weird to me to be doing this at all, especially being in this group of academia people. But I, I say one of my favorite things is just in general through work and going to conferences, going to anything like that is is meeting new people, making new contacts. Sometimes just just to have some people to chat with when I see them. It's just and in those times it's it's work related. You know, I, hey, I know someone here or there. So this has really given me an opportunity to step a little bit out of I, I guess I say a comfort zone. What little comfort zone I, I <laughs> whatever boundaries there are for for someone like me. But it's it's given me a chance to honestly learn some new stuff that I might not have learned otherwise personally. It's been a ride, quite a quite a wild ride, getting into it, getting used to it, getting. Just that whole process down. Now I feel fairly fairly comfortable with it, but yeah, it, it's weird. I get people that listen in and that comment, and I'm not going to name names here, but I've got someone that's sent me. They have some students that they teach, and they're like, "Hey, can I can I get a list of the videos you've done?" And and hey, I have, I have some students that are looking to do this. Like, could you help them out? And to be honest, that's what I love. I I, I might not be like a forever kind of presenter, YouTube podcast kind of person, but like that is one thing that I, I do enjoy. I enjoy helping people. That's kind of how I got into this in, in general, just the job in general. But it's uh, that's that's what I love the most is when someone someone presents a pro asks for help. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to help. That's that's kind of what we do. A lot of us that are, you know, employed at police departments, places like that's that's kind of our job support role, however you might look at it, but we, we help people. So being able to do that in this type of atmosphere is definitely something that I, I've enjoyed. The way this came about, Jason, was I was at a conference speaking, doing a presentation on none other than Excel. And who do I see in the back room? J Mr. Jason Elder, the the <laughs> Excel guru. Talk about, talk about someone to make you nervous for speaking. It's like, oh, it's the guy that would know anything that I say wrong, <laughs> he would, he's here. But it's, yeah, I, I, I love the idea that somebody can bring new perspectives to things. And I just, I think for the, for the time being, I just kind of week, week by week trying to find new topics and, and branch off of them. I love getting suggestions in from people. 
Mm-hmm. I've had certain episodes that have been prompted by someone asking me a direct question. Hey, how do you do this? Or, or my favorite is just like, is there a way to do this? And off the top of my head, well, I don't, I, I no, I don't know, but yeah, probably <laughs> there is yeah. probably a way. And it's funny you mentioned that AI. I've seen, I've seen a little bit going into that where like chat GPT, things like that, you can actually type in questions of how do I do something in Excel? And I'm, I'm assuming it'd work the same for Google Sheets or, or Access or any other program like that. And my understanding is it spits out some pretty good answers. When you're yeah. on that idea, it's just, you can just let that, just type that in and that's just going to record. You just put hit record and <laughs> type in there and that's all it is. It's just a, yeah, just give me a script, I, give me a five minute script. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't attend your presentation. I wanted to. I think I just there was just a conflicting one that I wanted to attend. But I remember that year I texted Jason. I'm like, don't don't be heckling now. Don't heckle. The- <laughs> I didn't know it was you. I, he just said like someone else is doing Excel. I was like, okay, I I know you're attending, but like, be nice. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. so I'm just curious how that went. Like, did you guys? I heard you guys were like having a conversation, going back and because yeah, you did point them out in the crowd, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I know. That's... And then, and I was just there to observe. And then I think you did eventually <laughs> ask me a question, like right in the middle of your class, like, Jason, do you know how to do this? Or there was some question that came up and I was, you know, forced to, forced to talk when I was just yeah. there to listen, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but I think, I think the, the best compliment that I got from your show is they described it as cliff notes for excel and i thought yeah. that was a very good description and a nice compliment for what you're doing there so it yeah. definitely is something where again they're five minutes long so it's not a lot going on but it's answering a very specific question and i think it the the work you've done is is been fantastic yeah, um, appreciate answering that. all the stuff and so Seth, I'm not, I'm not the instructor that he mentioned in his example, but I also <laughs> teach courses and I always refer my students to your, to your videos too. I mean, there's some bias because, you know, we're all on the same yeah, team, yeah. but yeah. no, they're great videos. I refer them. Other adjunct professors at my schools, they also refer students to your videos too. So they've been really helpful and most people don't comment, but I know that they find it yeah. useful. So thank you. Yeah, well, no, yeah, no problem. And, and like I say, it's it's weird. I was like, I was that kid to be like, hey, how many classes can I miss and, and not get my, you know, grade deducted? <laughs> that, that's, that's what it was. So yeah, it's, it's weird having someone like, hey, my college students or whatever, I like them to ask you a question like that's that seems just weird. <laughs> happy to do it, though. Alexis, now you've been a researcher with us for a while now. And of course, you yeah. give us the the nice perspective of the you're the youngest member so you're responsible <laughs> for anything that we do that's hip and so but i just wanted to get your perspective what you've got from being on the team and get your perspective on the show yes so i joined the team back in 2021 and 
So far, I've been assisting with researching for analysts to be part of our episodes. And then I also create the leap back posts for all social media platforms. By far, it's been great. I've met a lot of people. I consider Mindy, Jason, everybody on this team as my mentor. I, like I mentioned, I'm going to college still. So I'm in the process of getting my bachelor's in criminal justice. And being part of this team is like the greatest thing that any college student could be part of, to be quite honest. (laughs) I'm just learning. I'm a sponge and I want to learn as much as possible. And I love this team. So it's great so far. (laughs) Thank you for letting me be part of this team as well. Oh, no. Thank you for all that you do. And it made me laugh when you talked about the Leap Back episode because you did one with Sam Gwynn a couple of months ago. And I don't think she realized that I had a team, number one. She thought I was doing mo- this mostly solo. So when yeah. I posted, she, I guess that wasn't what she said wasn't grammatically correct in the clip that you, that we were posting. And so mm-hmm. she kind of gave a snarky, a snarky remark thinking it was just yeah. me. And there was you guys. Yeah. And, no, and yeah. she's like, she's like, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I thought it was you. I didn't know you had a whole team doing, doing this stuff. And so it's funny. It was a misunderstanding, but I can understand like she would have never said that to you guys that way if she. Yeah. Yeah. It was you guys. She would have said that to me because we've known each other for almost two decades now. But I mean, it mm-hmm. was, it was, yeah, it I was do, funny. Yeah, I do some mistakes, but I, I copy exactly from the transcript from YouTube. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a little bit hard. You know, it makes more sense when you hear it versus you put it in a quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's grammar issues. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Alex Gulday. I like to say that name. Alex Gulday. I did a little bit of introduction with you a couple of weeks ago when we did the review of the ILEA conference when you were in Vegas. So, and as I mentioned, you are going to be reporting on all... ILEA news, but you, you know, you said there's not much going on now, so I guess you can just make up whatever you want. What do you, what, what do you got for us? Any juicy gossip going around? <laughs> Let me see what TI can spell. So one of the things I wanted to mention about the podcast, when you all went live with, with the podcast, I discovered you like many did during the pandemic at the time I was running analyst training programs for my agency. And this is a big fairly big effort in training internally and externally and so on, multiple training programs throughout the course of the year. And when I discovered the podcast and all these different episodes, I was like, this is fantastic. This is like a, a mentor in a box type thing, you know, for, for, for students. And many of the students that, that we have coming through our programs, they are usually straight out of college. This is their first job or their first professional job. And so they're trying to figure out who they can be and what they can do with this particular work. So I would often refer them to the podcast and say, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, listen to the people who have been around for a while and hear what they're doing. Because one thing that I've learned in the field is that there is no, no two agencies are alike. Many are similar, but no two agencies are alike. No two analyst positions are exactly identical. We all do something a little different depending on who we work for, on what they know, on what our agency mission is. So there's so much variation there. And I mean, this is what you're seeing when you're listening to the podcast. This is the part that I find so exciting about our profession, right? You know, it's like, oh, you're a crime analyst, you're an intel analyst, 
but there's so much variation in what we do. There's so much diversity, and, and I find that really exciting. This is something that I try to 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 shout from the rooftops. You know, it's like you have a resource available to you that can help you figure out who you want to be at different stages in your career. So, so that's how I often think about the podcast and, and what it has done. And you know, I was very religious in the beginning. It's like I'm going to listen to every episode, and at some point, I. I lost it and it's like, oh my gosh, they had 100 episodes, 120, and then I try to catch up and then I do my best. And, and you know, I cannot, I cannot with a straight face say I've listened to every episode, but I try. <laughs> That's, it's been fun. Now that's a requirement. You have to listen to every episode. In order to be on the team. <laughs> it is funny that when I talk to guests and I ask them, have you, have you ever listened to any of the, the episodes some of them are apologetic because they haven't listened to all of them and i'm like well that's not necessarily a requirement i mean certainly understand i appreciate it if you listen to them all but you know if you've listened to a couple that's good you at least understand our format that's really why i asked the question all right well good 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 deal well let's get into a topic then alex an idea that came out from the ILEA conference. I was talking with somebody who was ta talking to me off the record and they had attended the ILEA conference and spoken to several of the attendees. And there was several of them that says, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to report back what I learned or what I'm bringing back to the agency or department. And I don't know what I'm going to tell them, right? I, there's, I'm struggling with having some hands-on information to report back to them. So I, I do want to start this conversation with some ideas on improving the law enforcement analyst conferences, whether they're a regional conference, an international conference, stuff that you can get out of these conferences that may not be as obvious to some. But Alex, we'll start with you. How do you react to that? Yeah, so for me, conferences are very energizing. I'm, I, I think I'm an extrovert by nature. I love meeting new people. I love, you know, connecting, reconnecting with people I've, I've seen at last year's conference, catching up what they've been up to in between. So to me, conferences are interesting. They're energizing. They're about ideas to me. They are about what can I pack away for when I'm back in the office, for the future, something to write about, something to think about, somebody to, to talk to about something. So I think, you know, your conference experience and what you take away from it is what you make of it, of course, right? Did I get only new content at every session that I attended? I don't think so. But it was good to revisit some ideas and some concepts, for example, also to look at some ideas from with the perspective and maybe benefit of having an additional year or two of experience under my belt and and, and reevaluating some concepts that I've heard about before. So that's that. I'm Personally, I think if you, if you didn't take anything away from a conference and can't report on it, that's that's sad to me. I I, I wish I had <laughs> more more ideas on that. And if somebody's struggling with that before you go to a conference, let me know. I'll gladly pep you, prep you, and 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 give you a pep talk, and then hopefully you'll have a good conference experience. Having said that, and I think I want to set this up, and maybe somebody else can chime in. I think the challenge for our profession is. Seth and I may be the exception, but there are a lot of introverted folks attending, well, not attending the conference, yes, but in our field. And I, you know, we can probably speculate as to why that is and so on. So I think looking, for example, we had 12, from my agency, we had 12 analysts at the conference 
several of us are like, hey, this is great, let's meet new people. And others really struggle just attending hospitality at night or going to dinner because they expended their social energy during the day. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think to be mindful for considering our particular demographics, our profession and so on, so that that it is hard for introverts to be on and a conference requires you to be on in, in an un, unfamiliar and possibly uncomfortable space and place. So thoughts. Yeah, yeah I can chime in. I was going to say, just as you mentioned, Unlike you and Seth, I'm an introvert. I mean, I, I'm an introvert like 51 weeks out of the year. Only one week, which is the conference week, is where I'm extroverted because I'm required to. I remember, was it last year or the year before, Christopher Burrs talked to me and he was like, something, something. And then, you know, an extrovert like Mindy. And I'm like, like, Mindy, have you like, and then I realized I only, you know, see him once a year. So, but yeah, it's my week at the conference where I'm out of my shell because I kind of have to be for elections, for mentoring, for just, you know, networking, like you said, the podcast, of course. Building on to what you're saying, I was going to say it'd be nice if we can have kind of like a buddy system, like with seasoned attendees, with like new attendees, because yeah, if you're like a first time attendee or you're new or you're just, like you said, introverted, like well, just have just one buddy. You don't have to be friends with the other 400, 500 people that attend, but ha- make friends with just one more. And that one person may introduce you to two more, three more, you know, start a little pyramid scheme of networking, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I would like to see if we can just kind of have a buddy system. And I know like with the IACA mentoring program, I know that's kind of like the idea that you have one buddy, like one seasoned buddy. And, but the thing is like, sometimes your mentor can't make it, you know, then it's like, okay, now what, you know? So something like that, I think it would also be nice if we have like, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the, the sessions that we attend are for analysts, by analysts. It would be nice if there are some sessions that are for analysts by officers as well or as like just a partner because like that's something that I'm trying to think back when I worked as an agency as like a shy analyst like super introverted super shy like I just stayed within my unit I didn't know how to talk to an officer so it would have been nice if I attended a course of like this is how you and, and I know it sounds silly because it's literally like just talking to another person right it's just a person just because I have a title that's different but I don't know what it was it was just easier to talk to like my analyst team than it was to like my officer customers who are, you know, consuming my products and stuff. So I think that would have been a nice course to attend. And it's kind of intangible, it's an intangible item to bring back. But imagine like, oh, you have your shy reserve analyst, you know, she or he, what, you know, they come back and it's like, oh, look, Mindy is so open now. She learned how to talk or something (laughs) like, so that could be like, a deliverable or something that you can take back to your agency, like just learning how to communicate properly in law enforcement. And then something that might be more tangible to like take back. I mean, I really like product improvement. So just a plug. (laughs) I'm taking the essential skills too right now through ICA and our discussion board topic this week for week seven is just, oh, what products do you use? And then 
like, what would you do if you can do like, which product would you do without? And like my thing, the way I interpreted that is just like process improvement. So like, if you're doing a bunch, Jason, you mentioned this before of like doing Comstat, it's like you spent a whole week on it and then you're done. And then the next week you're doing it all over again and just starting again. So for me, I would like to learn process improvement strategies when it comes to products. Like maybe something quicker when we do stat reports, maybe a different way of doing a bulletin or maps, something, you know, along the lines of like investigative support with timelines and link charts. Is there a way to speed up that or a way to have more people utilize it, whether it be officers, detectives, prosecution teams, kind of more those lines. I think that's kind of like a tangible takeaway. Like if I made really, I don't know, shitty bulletins before I attended this conference, I come back, I bring back, but I, I suddenly make better bulletins. That would be a tangible thing that I can take back. So those are my few things that I think would be good, tangible and intangible takeaways from conferences. I hate to beat a dead horse, but I, the, the easiest thing has got to be the networking. It's just no matter what classes you go to, and trust me, I've been to some that I thought might be useful or interesting. And I'll tell you one in particular I went to is on risk terrain modeling. And I felt like I was the dumbest person in that room by far. <laughs> you know, they, they can't all be winners, right? <laughs> go back. I learned about risk terrain modeling, kind of. I mean, I heard mm -hmm. someone talk about it. <laughs> but the networking, if, if nothing else, it's like, hey, I, I you know, I'm, made some contacts from other states, other other analysts, other, like say, maybe professors or, or you know, even even beyond stretching beyond, beyond just police agencies, like there's some some people from the FBI. I've got a easy contact of the FBI now. Those, that's easy. And even if you just went to a class and copied a name down at the end of it, it's like, hey, I've got a contact here that knows how to do this. Doesn't mean you're ever going to contact them necessarily, but you have it now. And you just kind of build that, that Rolodex of people you know. I mean, I, I, I do save all the cards I get typically and try to, you know, try to organize and flip through them and looking for somebody, but that that's by far the easiest. But I, I will say, I think at least a lot of the conferences, big and small, the ones that have more, I guess, tracks, more options. I think a lot of times people might, might get the idea that it's one size fits all, like everyone does the same thing. And it's just not the case. I mean, I, I work at an agency that... 4.3 square miles. How much hotspot mapping can I learn? I, it's it's not useful to me, right? So, yeah, the hotspot for shoplifting is the shopping center. Weird, weird concept. We know that, right? So, you know, you pick you pick the classes. You pick what what you you know works for you. That will be of interest to you. That you will use. Don't beat yourself up if you go to something and like I don't know how to use this. I don't know if I can use this. It, it's not not the same for everybody. So if you're a big product person, like I say, I, I got into Excel mainly because some of the bigger software products, my agency doesn't have. It's not an option. doesn't mean they're not useful. It's not lobbying against those. But sometimes these conferences, you've got, they've got classes and tracks for products. ESRI is a good one. If you have ESRI, a lot of agencies do for their mapping, stuff like that. That is, that is one I see come up quite a bit. Here, learn how to do something in this specific product. Now, that's something you're you take back. You can you can take that back, and they'll understand that. Uh, I learned how to do some cool stuff in this product that we have. But it, to be honest, especially those people first time going to the conference, it's like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> Sometimes that's the hard thing. What what did you learn? I, too much to tell you. <laughs> it, it just 
it can be a challenge that way, but yeah, that networking is number one uh, for me. And then beyond that contacts, not just, I know a person here now, but I know a person that knows how to do this. You don't have to be an expert in everything. That's what you have contacts for. Jason Elder is my, he was my Excel guy. (laughs) (laughs) Christopher Bruce, if I have an access question, I'll absolutely go to him. And I've met more along the way because Hey, guess who's not going to answer the phone every every five minutes when I'm working on something, right? So yeah, overall, those conferences are great, and 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 like Alex said, it's energizing. Typically, the week after is a week I I feel the most energized in my job, whether it's from meeting people or or those classes. It's if nothing else, I look forward to that conference for the fact of getting re-energized into my job and what I do. Because like the week after the conference, I'm like dead. I'm like, my social batteries drain, like, don't talk to me. Like, I'm like, give me a week to like replenish and then I'll talk again. And then, no, I was going to chime in real quick about what you said about networking and how we were talking about like introverts and how it's shy. So I'm not a big, like, Hey, let's just raise your hand in the middle of class kind of person. I'm more reserved like that. But one thing I found that works is like, I usually wait till like the end of class to kind of talk to like the presenter, like kind of one-on-one that way, you know, you're not the fear of like holding people back. Right. It's like, Oh, we're about to leave for lunch and you're asking a million questions, you know? So I usually just wait till the end be like, Hey, I have a question real quick, you know, while no one else is around, so they can't see me. And the other thing I do is if I'm too nervous to like start off a conversation to even like get their business card or they run out, I just get their name and then just like look them up on LinkedIn and like message them. Cause I'm one of those people that <laughs> I don't know. I rather text than or message than talk i know there are some times where jason would call me and i just don't pick up yeah, <laughs> just because i'm like you have to text me first. Like, yeah like just text me first and i'll you know determine if it's important enough <laughs> to warrant a phone call <laughs> no but <laughs> no but that's kind of like my advice for like people who want to network but are like on the shy reserve end one of the things that i think about a lot based on the conversation i had with jason about content and how do you get people interested and so on. Well, analyst conferences, I think it's the same for IACA, for IALEA, and for a lot of our regional conferences, our presenters are usually our peers, right? And I mean, I think at this point, everybody's seen Mike Winslow, because I think he's been to every conference there is to go to. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed by that. But, you know, it we depend, and the conference planners, I think, depend on people raising their hand and saying, I want to present about this. So, you know, as a conference planner, sometimes beggars can't be choosers, right? You have to sort of go with what people are taking to you. So that's that's the one thing. The other thing could be, of course, maybe we should ask, and, you know, I'll probably get some hate mail for this once this goes out, you know, because I'm not a conference planner, and I'm pretty sure this is a difficult aspect of, of the job. You know, it's like, well, just find the people that, that you know, you want to have present, and that may not be that easy, considering that, that you know, this is challenging and, and difficult to do. But maybe we can be a little bit more proactive in terms of identifying possible folks who might be interested at, at speaking. You know, we have a wealth of, of, of knowledge on the podcast, for example, people who have been there, not all of these people have presented at conferences, but they have something to say. They have something to share. They have knowledge and expertise. So maybe conference planners ought to think about looking at what the podcast guests have to offer and, and maybe be targeted and say, hey, would you like to talk for 50 minutes or 90 minutes or a session on this or that or so on? Anyway, just food for thought. Yeah. 
I do agree that it is it is a big challenge getting that all the speakers and the sessions put together and it is a daunting task before I guess I give my two cents I want to get Alexis back on here Alexis you've never been to an analytical conference as you would go to one if you're preparing for one what are some things that you would hope to see or what would maybe be something that would definitely attract you to a particular law enforcement analysis conference? Um, yes. So I'd suggest creating scholarships for college students. Just like Mindy had mentioned earlier, it could be a bit cost, <laughs> a little bit expensive for us. So as a college student, I think having scholarships specifically for us, it would give us a better chance of going to these conferences. And then I'd suggest as well, I'm um, creating classes or I guess sessions on how can a college student become a crime analyst, just the steps, the, you know, the like, or also um, how do we get a mentor, just the beginner friendly crime analysis adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what I'd like to see is, be, and that, I think this would help folks like Alexis, I think it will help folks that are first time attendees at conferences. And even it could be even for somebody that is an experienced analyst can always get tips and tricks is have actual fundamental classes. So have a graphics design class, have a writing class, have a presentation class, and even if you have to bring in somebody from the outside to teach those, do it, right? Because I, I would think that, and I might be wrong on this, there might be a local person that could speak on marketing or that, that might not necessarily be part of the law enforcement analysis community, but even if they cost them $100 to bring them in, that's if that's their bailiwick, if that's their their what they do for a living, they're, they're going to be the subject matter expert on that. And I think the tips and tricks that those experts would bring to an analyst conference would be very beneficial and something that people can directly take home to their department and teach others how to do. I do feel that we don't teach enough of like the, 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 the finer skills, the basic skills that we might find in either a fiat or an essential skills class. And even if you're just teaching one of them in the week, I mean, you're not ruining the whole week-long fiat or week-long essential skills cl class. But I, I do... I do feel that stuff like that is tangible and people can get little tips and tricks from that to take back to be a more skilled analyst. And I just want to jump in. So we, we, we talk about, we're talking about conferences and, and, you know, that, that, that always sounds like the big conference, the, the big one, it's a week long. It's, it's just a ton of people. You kind of break it down to more to the, some of the regional groups. Sometimes they have conferences and they're, you know, for just, not not as many people. It's a lot more scaled down. Well, in our area, we actually just held the first time we've done this, and and I 
I think it was it was it was really well attended, but it was what they they called more a boot camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just it was a two day thing. But we had people from surrounding states come in, and that's precisely what it was. It was all geared towards starting up. Hey, here's here's some broad overview. We're going to touch some topics, but we're not going to dig in really deep and, and complicated. But I think I think you're right with that. When we have these big conferences, and you have the capability of having multiple classes at the same time. I mean, we have tracks for technology stuff for for bring your own computer stuff. Like, why not have a track for hey, this is this is more for beginners. Here's a startup. Because you're right, we do kind of gloss over that, and and it seems like what a lot of times on those big conferences, you're trying to bring in, you know, what what can we teach to tenured tenured analyst. You're almost stuck in that mindset because most of the people that are going to be there teaching, that's the level they're at, you know. So maybe, maybe a little throwback to when you were new. I mean, would you? Do you remember when you were new? I mean, <laughs> how hard is it to get information on on some startups? Yeah, you might feel silly asking questions, especially when you're in a in a classroom. Kind of like Mindy said, you can raise your hand and ask ask a question in the middle of a presentation. If you're a new, if you're newer to everything. Yeah, if, if you're an introvert in particular, how hard is that? It's hard if you felt pretty confident in your question, but if you think there's other people around, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going to look at you like, hey, who's this person? Yeah, we, we do need to spread that out, and everyone's been new. Everybody started out at that point. It's, it'd be good not to, not to blow by that, not to forget we all started somewhere, and especially knowing that it might be hard for someone to jump in that's new and younger and straight out of college whatever the case may be, yeah, it, it might be a daunting thing to even go talk to somebody after a, after a class. I, yeah, we, I, think, I think we could definitely do a better job catering to all groups, and, and that is, that's a, a big one is people starting out. Put them on the right path. Answer their basic questions. They need to know those things to become successful and to become you know, future, future speakers, future experts at this or that. That's it's got to happen, so – yeah, I completely get that. We definitely could do better at that. Thanks. What Seth said just reminded me of that. Was it last year or the year before when we were at a business meeting and they opened it up and like nobody raised our hands and then Jason <laughs> and I were the only ones and the board just stared at us like, of course, these two have a question. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and I had like three other questions that I didn't ask that I just yeah. asked after the board afterwards. Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember I asked a question about like volunteering because I know that people want to get involved, but they don't, may not know how. And then Chris first talked to me afterwards. He's like, aren't you on like five committees? Why are you asking about like volunteer? I'm like, I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for people who, you know, are too shy to ask, you know, I'm trying to, be, you know, be that person. But going back with what Alexis says about like courses that I think um, would be beneficial for, you know, new analysts, college students and stuff. And it just reminds me of all the podcast episodes that we had thus far this year, you know, following the pandemic, following the remote work, following just everything that's been happening these past couple of years. I know a lot of our episodes have been focusing on like mental health for analysts and just the workplace culture and, you know, biases or things that you just don't learn in the classroom. And I've been just sitting here, you know, twiddling my pen as you guys see, well, the audience who are just listening to this aren't seeing, but I'm twiddling my pen here trying to think of like, how do you emulate that? How do you, how, how do you teach that of like being mentally prepared for law enforcement? Because it's a different work culture. It's a different environment. Like how do you prepare students who are so used to like the formal college education, you know, for 
not that law enforcement is like the wild west or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's a different environment, you know? So I'm just wondering like, how can we prepare the next generation for those things? And just the, like I said, the culture, I mean, coming from like my experience, it's kind of like embarrassing to like admit that maybe it can be relatable or something, but I was kind of not always told, but I don't know. People don't know what I look like, but like, I don't, feel like I fit the mold of someone who would go into law enforcement like I said I'm like more I'm like shy I'm like more reserved like I don't have that quote unquote like alpha personality like the the stereotypical like you think person that would go into law enforcement right and I remember my first year or two like I was like not every day but I would come home like crying (laughs) because it'd be like so tough you know like the people are nice in law enforcement. I don't want people to think that like, you're just going to get cussed out every day, like angry officers yelling at your face. Like, I don't want, I don't want people to get that impression, but it is, it's a different environment. It's a more intense environment. It's a very, I don't want to say aggressive environment, but it's just different. Right. I don't know. I'm making sense to you guys or our listener, you know? So it's like, how do we prepare people for that? You know, because there are some very bright and smart people out there who would be amazing analysts, but they might get discouraged from the industry because like I said, law enforcement can be intense. And I think I've mentioned this before, like I was going to quit after like a few years because I'm like, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Like, I don't want to come home crying every day. Like, why are people yelling at me? Why is everybody so mean? You know, but I was lucky because I had a mentor, you know, Tony Berger, he really kept me grounded. He's like, this is, this is the industry you're cut out for this. Like he really kept me in, in the field, you know, but we, we can't have a mentor for every hundreds of thousands of aspiring analysts. Right. So is there a training we can put on? Is there a, a, presentation we can put on that can help or I don't know something short of like you know therapy group (laughs) it is difficult because a lot of associations I think have struggled with how do you implement the next generation the the university outreach the people that are interested in being in the field but aren't in the field like how do you incorporate them into the association how do you incorporate them at a conference it's it's not easy it's a difficult ask to come up with something where you're talking about sensitive very uncomfortable topics with the profession to people that want to be in the field and so it's not normally the target audience of an association so it there's a there's a lot of cloudiness to that ask another idea that i had and it goes back to folks saying that they don't know what they would say what that they learned or bring back to the office when i was in belize traveling representing the iaca we went to training down there and i taught taught there in belize and the whole conference was a conference on free tools that's what the whole conference was everything that you presented had to be free and had to be accepted open source free to everybody and it was amazing to see with that being their criteria some of the things being taught and one was i think i think it's called gimp which is a a free version 
of Photoshop. And, you know, that that program can download it and it is very powerful and you can do all kinds of graphic design on that stuff. And so I'd like to see more of an emphasis where you have this encourage people to have present something where it's a free tool and something that even if it's not going to change their job dramatically, maybe it's just an extension in Excel or an extension of their Outlook calendar or something something like that that's a free tool that they, you can teach them how to use and they can bring it back to their office and say, hey, this is this is what I brought back. Look at this. Look at this tool here that I that I can use now. I mean, it's free for everybody. It doesn't cost the agency anyway. And that's and that's what I bring back. And I like to see more of that stuff, more more tangible stuff to bring back to the office. One last thought with the conferences is most of these conferences, especially the bigger ones, they'll have a keynote speaker or they'll have a major event at a lunch. They'll give you a free lunch. Maybe it's just one day a week, one day out of the week. And I know for, you know, like IACA, for instance, they'll have the lunch and then they'll have the award ceremony right afterwards. All right. So this is a don't be that analyst. Don't be that analyst that eats lunch and then bails on the award ceremony. Just attend the award ceremony. A lot of work went in there. You'll see a lot of great work that analysts do. It takes a lot of time and effort from the awards committee to put all that on. So don't be that analyst that eats the free lunch and then skips out on the the presentation afterwards. I was going to follow up with what Jason was saying about the award ceremony. It's like, if anything, you do learn stuff. If you're like concerned of like, well, I didn't submit anything or like, I don't know anybody who's winning, but it's like, it's a products award ceremony. So you're, you're looking at people's bulletins, you're looking at people's maps, you're looking at people's dashboards and all that stuff. Like you can get great ideas from that too. If you want something to bring back for your agency, like, oh, I never thought to like do my dashboard like this or do my bulletin like this. Like that's something you can take back too. And these are the best of the best, right? First place, second place, third place across, you know, the entire world. So wouldn't you want to learn from them? So I, I would stay for that if anything. So yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's it, it is a little odd to me that they do will have like a bulletin contest and then the bulletins aren't hung up anywhere for like the nominees and whatnot. So it just seems like that would be prime thing to like do a show and tell in the hallway somewhere like these are the posters or these are the the products. And it, it does seem a little bit weird that, that that's the way they do it. So. All right. But speaking of don't be that analyst, we got some callers on the line. And first up is Lori. Lori, what is your don't be that analyst? Don't be that analyst that maintains dirty data. Make sure you clean that data up because there might be somebody else that wants to use that data in a pivot table or something else. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd that you would just have data that's dirty lying around. It just seems a little bit odd that if you were going to have data and to make it useful, I would think you would have to clean it in order to make it useful. They wouldn't make any sense to me to keep dirty data. Certainly would encourage people to keep the original 
and when you can so if there's any kind of questions about what you did to the data to get it clean you can at least go back to the original but i i i can't think of a reason to keep around a dirt a file that's a dirty that has dirty dirty data can anybody else yeah no i was gonna say like i feel like sometimes people don't think it's dirty so like it's might be clean to you as a human but it's dirty for the computer so like for example like bro and then brwn like brn like we all know that's brown right or chev versus chevy chevrolet whatever like we as humans know that those are the same thing but as a computer as Lori said like with a pivot table they're going to count those as like different entities so again it might not be dirty to you as a human but it's dirty for the computer so those are things you want to keep consistent and keep clean yeah all right Next on the line is Kyle. Kyle, what's your don't be that analyst? You know, don't be that analyst that sends products with an accidental blank page. I see that quite a bit often. I open a, a bulletin, a report, and for some reason, there is a second blank page with nothing on it. Check your work before you send it out. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, I understand it happens. Like sometimes you have like an extra space or something at the end of your Word doc or whatever it is. But yeah, I always check my, I would always recommend to check your work before you send it out because it confuses people. It's like, is this page intentionally blank? Is there, is it not loading? Is something supposed to be here? Like it just, just looks like, you know, you're not paying attention to the details. So yeah. Definitely agree. Yeah, I do find it funny when I see that in instruction manuals or something like that, that it says this page was intentionally left blank. And it just seems a little bit odd. But I understand why they why, why they do that, because they think people will think it's a mistake. So but I think it was a good point at the end. What he said with was check your work. And so that's always a good tip to check your work, have somebody else check it before it goes out, because it's a lot easier to to catch a mistake before you hit the reply all button. So, all right, next on the line is Dana. Dana, what's your don't be that analyst? Don't be the analyst that hoards information. If you have information that's gonna benefit somebody else or you have information that, even if it's not at your agency, it's gonna benefit somebody else at another agency, share the information as long as it's not impacting your cases and you have clearance from like your higher ups to do so. But don't be the analyst that hoards everything or the investigator. I will say that too. Don't be the investigator that hoards information because everybody is on the same team. And at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah, I, I like what she said there. It, it is, we are, we're on the same team. And I know sometimes that that might not be someone's immediate thought process of, of all being on the same team, working for different agencies, working however you, you do. But yeah, think about being on the opposite end of that where you didn't get information. Like you, you struggled to get some information and just to find out somebody had it all along, didn't share it. I mean, that's that, that's another point. If, if you're like in a metro sharing group or something, that's how you become known as, you know, that guy. Yeah, it, it's hard getting stuff out of that guy or that agency. A lot of times for us, we're the uh, we're the go to person like, hey, do you do you have a contact over, you know, wherever? Yeah, I do. And if that's if that's the kind of person you become known as the guy that hoards that information, that's not a good look for you or for your agency there. And yeah. Big, big, big picture. We, we are on the same team. If you have it, share it. If you're nervous to share it, uh, hey, I'd, I'd rather share something and then not need it than vice versa. It's okay to look silly sometimes or depending on how you look at it. So yeah, definitely don't be that analyst. 
Yeah, and I would even encourage if you're responsible for a database or a data set and maybe there is something that it has to be a need to know situation for people to get access to it and certainly understand that, but it should at least be known in the department, known to the analyst, like what that data set is and when the analyst should ask to use information in there because it's it, I think it gets back to a little bit I think what you mentioned Seth before is you know, not only networking but knowing the person that can has a particular skill set it, it becomes you never know when that's going to be beneficial in the future so you know you have some of the, these data if you if you can't if you can't share it openly at least make it known that okay when you have this type of situation this is where this data set that's behind closed doors might be useful. And we have a process in place of how you would, would query that in those special situations. All right, next on the line is Rachel. Rachel, what's your don't be that analyst? Don't be that analyst who doesn't check for outliers or anomalies first before analyzing the data. Now, maybe it's my background in statistics or because I've been stung myself far too many times, but I am a huge advocate of exploratory data analysis which essentially profiles and examines the data before you start analyzing and calculating things because anomalies or missed data can massively skew your results if they are included. So don't be that analyst who doesn't check for outliers or anomalies. Thank you, Rachel. Definitely keep that in mind for when I start my crime analysis career. Yeah, I think I think that goes with, I always forget that term. What's that bias that we all want to avoid? Confirmation bias? Confirmation bias. I don't know why I always forget that. I actually have a sticky note somewhere that I've written it down so many times because I always forget, but but it deals with confirmation bias and, and the fact that you get narrowed in on a particular situation and you don't take the time to see if that maybe you don't have all the crimes in the series, for instance, and to understand that you you may want to take some time to look for other data that you may be part of the series, but you don't have included because that will throw off your analysis if you don't have all the crimes in the series. Yeah, and then if you're doing like intelligence work or you're researching on somebody, I mean, part of that is like pattern of life identification. So mm -hmm. when somebody breaks their pattern and you're watching them, that's an important thing to notice. Like, oh, you, like this person usually goes to work from, you know, this time to that time and then suddenly they're they're not there or this person usually sleeps from this time to this time and then they're active at 4 a.m for some reason like hey maybe <laughs> something to look into so outliers especially in intel work or risk assessment really important all right, good point all right last but not least is mary mary what you don't be that analyst hey don't be that analyst who sends an email with word eight attached name your file thank you very much <laughs> Reach. That is one of my pet peeves to have files properly named and, and labeled and and also having a date on it or a version number. You know, when you work and collaborate with a lot of different people across, a, invariably you'll end up with different versions of, of the same document and that can create a lot of extra work. I've certainly found myself in that situation when you don't have the document labeled the right way and then you end up making changes to a prior version and um, at the end you end up with a, a suboptimal product that could have been avoided if somebody had taken the time to 
name the file properly, label it, put a version number on it, and so on. So, yes, don't be that analyst. Yeah, I have a guy at work. His production files will get double zero, and then any then he just counts from there all the different pass copies that he has. So it, when he makes when he goes in there to first make takes double zero and changes it, he'll do a save as maybe 11, change that to 11, and then he'll update the double zero. So double zero is always the live production version. So he doesn't have to worry about anybody getting confused over what version number he's on because double zero is always the live version. So I thought that was an actual the interesting way to, to avoid confusion on naming conventions. Yeah, I also like it when, especially for outside agencies, when they name it, like they put the crime type and like the location and other things in it. There are people who just do like, oh, this is week one bulletin number nine or whatever. I'm like, okay, that means nothing to me. Like, I'm not in your agency. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, can you just, you know, put the suspect's name or like do the crime type or the street name or something, something that's like clear that if I just do a search, I can find it kind of thing. I mean, sometimes it's in like this, the email subject line or the body of the email, sometimes it's not. So you just get this bulletin and you're like, what does this mean? I don't know what I'm looking at. So something like that, just to help with organization and people searching through their inbox of, you know, thousands of emails or, you know, they get in a day just for easier searching. So that is don't be that analyst. If you have a don't be that analyst that you want to share with the show, you can let us know and you can send in a recording to leapodcasts at gmail.com. All right. So it's the big announcement time and I am totally laying this on thick. I know you all have been waiting patiently this whole time, waiting for the major announcement. And it has to do with a contest that we've been running for quite a long time now for those that know or may not know i wrote a chapter of the iaca textbook on excel and when i did so i put some easter eggs in that chapter and i have offered twenty dollars if somebody can identify the easter egg eggs that are in the chapter and i have had over the years a couple people chime in with did it have to do with you know you know augustus or a certain certain person in the way back past and that was that wasn't it and i've i've come to realize that i have really undersold how difficult this these easter eggs are so this is actually pretty hard. It's pretty difficult to figure these out. I, I've caught a little bit because I feel that any hint that I give, there's not a really good hint. It's either like one that's not going to help you very much at all or the one that's going to give you the answer right away. But we're analysts and we like to solve puzzles. So I do can want to continue to challenge you to solve this puzzle and identify these Easter eggs. So the big announcement is, is I am increasing the amount of the prize to $50 gift card for Amazon for the person that can correctly identify the Easter eggs that are in my Excel chapter in the IACA textbook. So again, good luck. I have told people that the first part is identifying what 
the the Easter egg is, and I always tell people, it's like, why did I pick that particular information? And the second one part of it is, what does it mean once you do find the Easter egg? So there is actually two parts to it, and it is pretty difficult. You would really have to know your IACA history and IACA goings on to, I think, put it all together. So it isn't easy, but I, it is a definitely a, a challenge there. So best of luck. If you think you figured it out, email us at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Had us in so much suspense. Like, okay, for listeners, we didn't know what the big surprise was either. He just told us at the beginning of this recording. So we were all in the same boat. We were so suspense. And I had an idea. I'm like, maybe it's like the contest. I thought you were going to announce that someone finally figured it out. Oh, I was going to be no. so I'm like, oh, finally, oh, this like two plus exactly. I was like, no, no, I, no <laughs> I haven't. I think in the beginning when I was first putting it on, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. But the more people I've talked to about it, they're like, no, Jason, that's that's really hard. Like you. Yeah. So it is it is really hard. But at the same time, that it's quite a challenge. All right. So. I guess final words time, you know, I'll just open it up to all of you. We're in, we're third year anniversary. I thank each and every one of you for being on this team and contributing to LEA podcasts and look forward to all the, the upcoming year and developing some new content, maybe some new shows. And certainly if you have an idea for a podcast or a, or YouTube segment, please let us know. I guess I'll just go around the horn here. I'll, I'll start with the newbie first. Alex, what do you got for a final word? Well, for starters, I'm, I'm excited to be here and be part of the team. I hope I can actually deliver good quality content every time you have me on, on the show. So I'll, I'll certainly strive for that. But I'll, I'll say this, because this is something that I think about a lot. I, I work with young and I mean, by young, I mean both in terms of, of, of age, but also people who are entering the analytical profession for the first time after having done something else. And, you know, we get so caught up sometimes in, well, this is just how we do things and you need to get on board with it. And I'm, 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 I'm worried sometimes about the generational differences. And I would love to have Gen Z analysts challenge us a little bit maybe and and not call us out for being old <laughs> fogies because i certainly feel that way sometimes but but you know make sure that that we are not taking certain things for granted that i think you know at this point in my career i may actually find myself in that in that trap so i hope that you know as we move forward i will be challenged by by different generations in terms of how i think about being an analyst what it means to be part of a team what it means to be working in the field and, and so on. So I hope that this is something that we can uh, talk about in the future. Nice. All right. How about you, Alexis? Yes. So I look forward to the many more episodes that we will be doing. And I really also look forward to just college being exposed to our podcast and then having more college students aware and learn more about crime analysis. All right. Good. And Seth? You know, it's, it's funny talking just through this, what really brought to mind is pretty much everything we're talking about is helping is helping somebody. The show, LEA Podcast, premises is to kind of get the word out on stuff and help direct people. And, and even with the topics brought up today about like college students and what can we do to improve 
conferences, I mean, this is all centered around helping. And I would say, just don't, don't be afraid to help. It's crazy. No matter where you are in your career, one, don't be afraid to help somebody else when you see they need it. And two, don't be afraid to take help. Yeah. None of us are perfect at this. Absolutely not. And, and, you know, we brought up the, the teamwork and that whole aspect. And I mean, honestly, if, if I'm able to somehow, somehow get a, a show that I do, God, anybody can help. <laughs> you don't have to be, you don't have to be that smart one in the room. Don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to offer help new or, or tenured. You never know what, what you're capable of, of helping somebody with. What What's easy to you might be difficult to somebody. So it's what I love about this show, LA podcast and all of our little offshoots of this. And, and honestly, our jobs and what we do, man, we can offer so much help to each other and, and as well as our, our departments, our universities, everybody. So yeah, just embrace, embrace the help culture. <laughs> nice. Nice. And Mindy? I was just thinking about what Alex said about like Gen Z analysts and I don't know why I just love Gen Z like slang. Like I know it's probably not professional, but I love to see a bulletin that's be that's like, oh, there's a residential burglary series right now. No cap. Contact Detective Jones if you got any, you know, any deets or tea or whatever they say, you know, like he fired. I don't know. I'm not Gen Z. I don't know the slang, but I'm just saying that would be funny to me. And, but for an all serious for word last words, hmm. I know Jason and I kind of came off kind of like, oh, we're introverts. We're super awkward. Don't talk to us. But we really like meeting people at conferences, at training, and we really love feedback and people coming up to us. Like, it doesn't even need to be part of the podcast. You know, it'd be nice Mm -hmm. just to hear some feedback, be like, oh, hey, I listened to your podcast. Like, it's so good. Like, you know, getting those feedback because we don't don't get a lot. We assume that you guys really love it because we're still on air. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's nice when we get that feedback. And it's just, it's re- what's the word rejuvenating to just like oh yeah like Seth said that helping culture like that that feeling like we are reaching out to people people are finding and helpful like this is a passion project right we're not making pink off this podcast so it's really nice to hear from our listeners our fans you know like hey we really enjoyed it so yeah I I know we were selling ourselves like oh we're super awkward I'm not prepared for this conversation but no I I love meeting meeting people at the conference, you know, through the podcast and hearing how it impacts them and just, yeah, just meeting people. And like I said, ironically, as an introvert, but yeah, you get one week of extrovertness from me. So, you know, take advantage of that one week when we're at the conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, just as Mindy said, thank you to the listeners. Thank you for the support. Thanks for listening to us for three years, produce weekly and talking to so many different analysts, getting their perspective and contributions to the profession. So thank you all. Thank you, team. And I guess this is where I say we've given them just enough to talk bad about us later. And I do appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And you be safe. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest, please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, analysts, keep talking.